The Protectors of the Wood episode series, episode number 10, The Sound of Crickets. Time is going by. Go on. Abby and Chi-Chi followed the underground path into another bottleneck, a succession of four or five narrowing circles, each one opening again into a small cave. Finally, Abby was sure she saw a dead end, a stone wall that presented no opening. And yet the breeze was still in her face. The noise of the water was still increasing. Abby asked, What now? Keep going. Abby took another step and another. The wind clearly hit her face from the right-hand side. And looking that way, she saw that the stone blocking the entrance did not meet the right-hand wall of the tunnel, but extended beyond it, leaving a small opening. With the wind burning her eyes, Abby squeezed into the crack, her body moving sideways, the mapstick held out ahead. In a few difficult steps, she emerged into a new tunnel. The rushing of the water echoed everywhere. The ghost river roared across her path, with shining white foam and dark water speeding downhill. She knew it was the ghost river because she had been there before. The passageway for the rippling stream included a path from Hidden Valley, under the half-moon cliffs and the horn, and out onto the rocky shore of the half-moon river, right at the point where the ghost river flowed underwater into the half-moon. I know you've been here. Chi-Chi raised his voice to be heard above the rushing water. Go ahead. If you want to see Tuck before he sleeps, lead on. Abby eagerly turned right and stepped cleverly over the slippery rocks of the very irregular path. The damp stones gleamed. Moisture dripped on the walls. Both Abby and Chi-Chi were used to this terrain and moved quickly. Abby kept a close watch on the wall to her right for some sort of opening. She knew Chi-Chi did not intend for them to emerge above ground near the bank of the Half Moon River. There would have to be an underground opening toward the abandoned house somewhere that she had never noticed. It was hard work negotiating the jutting rocks and slick, wet footing while studying the wall at the same time. Suddenly, she snapped her fingers with a sharp intake of breath. Of course, the Silver Creek. She had often wondered where the tiny stream behind the abandoned house began. Exploring the stream as far as she could, Abby had found the source in a spring forming an overflowing pool near the cliffs where they turned away from the river and ran back through the forest behind the abandoned house. It now occurred to her that the creek might begin from the Ghost River and run underground to feed that spring near the cliffs. She kept an eye on the shore of the Ghost River as she stumbled along. At a certain point, the shoreline rose up to form a steep bank, affording no path along the water's edge. The only way forward, short of wading through water, was up the slippery rocks to a path at the top of the bank. As Abby began to climb, she thought, Don't take your eye off the water's edge. Go back and look. 
She turned around to see a smiling Chi-Chi waiting by the water. Very good intuition. Not one in a hundred would think of it. He led the way to the bottom of the steep slope, ankle-deep in water. The water is high, as you know. This is not an easy path. After about ten yards, an opening appeared at water level, like a low mouth swallowing the top few inches of water. Chi-Chi ducked low under the rocky bank and walked in a crouch through the water. Abby, much taller and carrying the map stick, had to contort her body into an S-curve. Her thigh muscles began to burn. Her back began to hurt. But she certainly didn't want to crawl through the chilly water. When she felt her legs about to give way, the rocky ceiling slowly began to rise, and eventually she could walk at normal height. That's better. This can't last long. We certainly won't be swimming up into the pool that begins Silver Creek. They waded on through low water. The constant cool breeze was giving her a chill. She stopped and put on her hooded sweatshirt. Her throat was getting sore again. How old are Chi-Chi and Wendy? Over 70 at least. They're in better shape than me. The ceiling continued to rise until the tunnel was about 12 feet high and wide enough to allow them a path on a dry bank. As she struggled to keep going, her mind blank, Abby had a feeling and turned around. Chi-Chi was lagging behind, marking another stone. She walked back and said, Why don't you just tell me we're changing course? Oh, I know it must be irritating. I'm just testing out your awareness and intuition. Wendy said you're even sharper than before, but I just wanted to see for myself. Do I pass the test? (laughs) Yes, you do. All right then. Why don't you lead? I'm tired and now that I know that it's a test, I won't do so well. It makes me nervous. He nodded and began climbing the rising bank on the left-hand side. It was made of reddish, jagged rock, curving upward into a very steep incline. The rock seemed all of one piece, like a lava flow, frozen into rough, torturous shapes. It made for secure footholds and easy climbing, but Abby cut her hands on the sharp rock. Oh, I should have warned you. Here, use my gloves. My hands are used to this. Take them from my backpack. Just go ahead and unzip it. We're almost at the top. I'm afraid I'll fall. She struggled on another five feet. They came to a wide ledge. Chi-Chi opened his small backpack and found some ointment and band-aids. Her cuts were shallow. He cleaned them with gauze and water and bandaged them closed. Get a few supplies. You'll need them. Abby felt like a naive beginner at this game. Definitely a come-down from her pride in knowing the forest. But it's good for me. Chi-Chi is right. This underworld is a very different place. Ahead of them, a smooth passage made an easy uphill walk, and then passed over a ridge and down a long slope. 
They seem to be flying after the slow slog through the creek. Gradually, the path leveled off and grew smaller. The pale stone changed to something that Abby guessed might be large rocks and hard clay. They left footprints on the dusty floor. She looked carefully but saw no trace of other prints along the way, except very small tracks that she felt sure were made by rats. She breathed a sigh of relief. So often she had worried that the many secrets of Hidden Valley could be easily discovered. But so far, these ancient paths remained hidden from the modern world. Chichi stopped and put a finger to his lips for silence. He pointed upward at the ceiling only a foot away. There, a vertical tunnel about three feet in diameter rose straight up, perhaps six or eight feet to a stone cap. Metal rungs built into the tunnel formed the steps of a ladder that must have been neglected for many years. A few steps were missing, and parts of a metal rung lay nearby. As they walked on, Chi-Chi told her that the abandoned house was above them. The ladder emerged from an old root cellar, but that exit had long ago been sealed off by a layer of dirt. He had asked for silence because their voices could possibly be heard in the unlikely event that people were above. He warned her that this extreme caution would become more serious as they approached the churchyard. They walked down a long incline with many forks in the road. Chi-Chi stopped and marked each one. Their path changed dramatically into a series of large and astonishing caverns. Abby knew they were under the swamp, a flat wetland full of sinkholes, pools of water, ferns, skunk cabbage, and snakes. These caverns were damp. Water dripped from the ceiling, making dramatic waterfalls of stalactites, and even areas where the stalactites were small, but the stalagmites below were enormous, like tall, thin mountains rising from the floor, or the towers of fairy castles. Chichi marked dangerous areas to avoid, places where there could be or had been cave-ins, collapsed ceilings, Abby could hardly believe her eyes, but she had to hurry. Chi-Chi kept pressing the pace. Come, just a little farther. You're doing well, but it's dark outside. I promised Wendy you'd speak to Tuck tonight. On they walked. Chi-Chi finally stopped at a low tunnel leading sharply to the left. Abby had been waiting for this stage of the trip wanting to see their route under the Half-Moon River. He marked a small rock. The way to my shed is straight on, but there are many forks. I'm not sure you could find it. I'll mark it for you someday soon. He didn't wait for a reply, but plunged into the left-hand turn, a narrow, curving passage descending on a steep angle. Down they went on a pathway radically different from the fascinating caverns they left behind. Abby found the way claustrophobic, exhausting, and totally bare of anything to relieve her feeling of oppression. 
The massive earth itself seemed to be bearing down on her spirits. The air was stuffy, as if she couldn't get enough oxygen. Her breathing became irregular. She was thirsty and felt weak. She tried to remember how much she had eaten that day. They seemed to be moving in slow motion. She could hardly keep her eyes open. And then, very faintly so that she could hardly trust her senses, she began to hear the murmuring of voices. The sound seemed to float on the thick air in waves. Pictures flashed across her eyes of shadowy shapes whining and moaning, saying words with no meaning, no soul. I'm dreaming. I'm falling asleep while I walk. I can't stop. Her breathing became frantic. She tried to slow it down, but her heart was pounding. And then a picture flashed by in a vivid dream. A picture of a vast, low cave in almost complete darkness, full of hundreds, maybe thousands or millions of shadowy shapes, human shapes without substance, murmuring in waves, lost in the darkness. They were stranded in a dead end, near a boundless pool of streaming black water. A hot flash rose up her neck. She felt like it was 110 degrees. She began to pant. Abby! Chi-Chi stood face to face with her and shook her by the shoulders. Abby! Abby, I'm here. Come out of it. You're home. Oh, have you ever seen them? All the lost people moaning in the dark? Abby was in tears. Chi-Chi nodded. Not right now, but a couple of times I've heard it. In certain places, it's part of the dream world. None of us are ready for it yet. Don't get lost in there. She shivered in horror, unable to reply. This news might help you. In a short distance, we'll be under the churchyard. Do not speak. Make no noise. Follow everything I do. If you must communicate, grab me and whisper in my ear. I will hold up two fingers when I want to show you a little side room where you can wrap the map stick and hide it. There's even an ancient table and chair there, but we won't stop. You'll be home in 15 minutes. Get Tuck to feed you. He loves doing that. And you can use it with a quart of cider. Ready? Are you ready? Abby nodded, her mind focused. Chi-Chi moved ahead. She began to notice her environment again. The tunnel was still claustrophobic, but now had the smell of dirt. She began to hear faint sounds again, but different than before. Crickets! What a lovely sound! Roots emerged from the sides of the tunnel. The roof was reinforced with thick wooden posts. 
She saw what looked like a brown rectangle and reached up to feel it with her hand. There were planks of wood, old but still solid. She studied it carefully, thinking it might be a trap door to a basement above them. Two small, dark shapes scampered by in the corner of her eye. Rats! She hurried forward to catch up with Chi-Chi. He was waiting and holding up two fingers. He pointed to a narrow side passage, barely wide enough for one person to squeeze through. It's yours. Only for you. She moved sideways into a tiny room that had reassuring signs of human convenience. Almost a home-like atmosphere, there was a bookshelf with books. Ancient four-by-four posts stood in each corner, supporting crossbeams and a wooden ceiling. An old oil lamp stood in the center of a small table. The chair still had four legs. She longed to sit down and get the feel of the room. Now that the time had come, she felt a deep reluctance to part from the mapstick and the briefcase. Her father's maps would be a disaster in the wrong hands. Perhaps she should find a different hiding place? And the mapstick was almost like a person. Would it be okay? Would it be lonely? What if, God forbid, someone else found it and took it away? Paranoia gripped Abby by the throat. Chi-Chi snapped his fingers at the doorway and hissed. Abby quickly took the long, ribbon-like length of cloth from her backpack and wrapped the mapstick, leaving the top uncovered. With the light still shining, she saw a space behind one of the fabulous old corner posts and hoped the mapstick would feel at home there. She finished the wrapping and, now totally blind, slid the mapstick into place. Feeling with her hands, she found the door. Nearby, she found a pile of dirt that had been leaking through an opening in the wooden planks covering the ceiling. She hid the briefcase under the loose dirt, dust, and small stones. After a short prayer, she found Chi-Chi waiting in the passageway. He pulled her slowly through the dark. After a few minutes, he pushed her gently down on her knees and placed her hand gripping the cuff of his pants. Then he crawled slowly forward, moving uphill in a curve. Abby could feel roots growing on the sides of the narrow tunnel. The sound of crickets grew louder and louder until it seemed like a joyous song of the whole living world. A welcome home from Mother Nature, just for her, celebrating her arrival back to the wonderful, irreplaceable surface of the earth. Thanks for listening. Episode number 11 is coming soon. To hear all of the episodes, please go to our website, www.protectorsofthewood.com. For Facebook and Instagram, please go to Protectors of the Wood book series. Thank you.
tell you where I'll be with my people in sorrow somewhere beneath the ancient tree then tell me there's a chance for us I just want to hear you say that we can That we can find a bridge, a bridge to cross. 